This is an audio-only version of a Then and Now video. To see the full video, search Then and Now on YouTube. Enjoy. Imagine a town in the depths of Siberia, or a place like it, isolated, cut off from the rest of the world except for one road. No radio, no television, no internet, not even any books about the outside world. Most of the residents work in the lumber industry, the few others in shops, cafes and services. The solitary town's primary purpose is to provide timber for the rest of the country. Logging is all they know. Despite the limited life choices, the residents are happy. Then, one day, radio, television, internet and books are all introduced to the town. Suddenly, the residents know about many more things. They're in shock. They learn about music, animals, astronauts, great artists, and self-driving cars. Their universe expands exponentially. Possibilities emerge on distant horizons. Blurry, difficult to understand, let alone pursue. But they're all the same. As the weeks and months pass, young girls dream of becoming explorers and tired truck drivers relive their lives as rock stars. An old man with a talent for mathematics imagines that in another life maybe, he could have been a great engineer and a housewife with a love for plants becomes fascinated by the life of biologists and chemists. Slowly, the young begin to leave. Except the country needs timber. So the despotic ruler decrees that the residents cannot leave without a permit. The town must produce enough workers to support the timber industry. So the residents must live the life they're born into, accept their fate, and only dream about living a different life. What do we find so unjust about this scenario? Let's call it inauthenticityville. The picture painted is of a town where people aren't free to pursue their authentic desires, a place where they're condemned to live their lives for other people. If this is a portrait of an inauthentic community, what might an authentic community look like? What I'd like to draw out over the course of this video is the idea that authenticity is a social ideal, one that we should all believe in and fight for. I think there are two things we find disagreeable about inauthenticityville, the lack of choice the residents have and the type of control imposed upon them. Before the introduction of television, radio and internet to the town, ignorance was bliss. The residents didn't know any better and were content with their limited options. How could they be otherwise? The medieval knight riding his horse doesn't grieve because he can't fly a plane. It's only when we're aware of other possibilities that we have options that are blocked from us that we feel like we might want to pursue a different path. So that's the first thing to keep in mind. Choice is important. The second injustice the residents face is the control exercised over them. 
they're prohibited or blocked from pursuing particular interests and desires. This doesn't mean that we could or should be able to pursue every interest and desire we have. There are always some kind of blockage. But we want to know that the path isn't blocked from the outside. We want to have control over our own choices. We want, to a large extent, to be self-determining. Are the residents just being selfish? The pursuit of an authentic self is often compared with the desire for uniqueness, individuality, creative freedom. But does this mean, as some have argued, that authenticity itself is an individualistic, egotistical, narcissistic and self-absorbed concept? After all, be yourself, to thine own self be true, follow your heart, they all conjure up the idea of stepping away from the crowd, not towards it, of living a life for yourself and not for others. Maybe the residents of Inauthenticityville should just suck it up, accept their lot, do the right thing for the rest of the country. If we are an authenticity-seeking species, if we crave our own independence, have a desire to be the master of our own unique choices, if we need creative freedom, what does this mean for our politics, for our communal and social life? What does it mean for organisations and businesses? Does being you, rather than pursuing duty, for example, result in a narrowing of focus just to yourself as an individual, a loss of a broader social vision. The philosopher Charles Taylor describes this as a horizon. Does the horizon shrink to focus just on you? Do we each have our own separate horizons? Are our values relativistic? Or do certain things transcend this horizon? Are certain horizons shared? Does the shared pursuit of timber in the town disappear once the residents go their separate ways? How do we think about societies that still share horizons, that consist of individuals pursuing both their own authentic interests and dutifully responding to the needs of the wider community? First, and I think most obviously, if we acknowledge that our own pursuit of authenticity is essential, that being able to choose for oneself is fundamental, then we must extend this as a universal right for all. We must recognise that each person should be allowed to pursue their own goals and interests, as long as it doesn't encumber or harm the pursuit of another's goals or interests. As the philosopher Asaya Berlin argued, what individuals desire is self-direction, to not have my own choices made for me by someone else. So for the residents of Inauthenticityville, the problem lies not so much in that the residents have to become lumberjacks, they had to before, but that the choice has been taken out of their hands. Authenticity means being the master of one's own choices. Here is the first shared horizon. We all have the same rights, 
And this is the liberal component. As John Stuart Mill argued, your right to extend your fist ends where my right not to be punched begins. Each resident of Inauthenticityville should be able to pursue their own life goals unless it's harmful to other residents. So polluting the water of the town, burning the forest, extorting others are inauthentic pursuits. They harm the lives of others and others' pursuits of authenticity. However, it's often not clear where or how one person's actions harm or inhibit the pursuits of others. For example, one resident might use chemicals to grow food that makes it cheaper for the consumer. Another might argue that this had an adverse effect on their health and the health of the wider community. For each to pursue their own authentic goals, a conversational space opens up on the horizon. This space, whether political, communal, or within an organisation, is one where individuals affected discuss the merits, limitations, and impact of the pursuits of each member on the wider community. What's relevant for us in this scenario is it's not quite clear where the horizon lies. It's a space a space for discussion between all of those affected. And this really is just the political space. It's shared, and importantly, if we want to have control over our choices, it must be open to all of those affected. I think this means everyone participating, to some extent at least, in the questions affecting all aspects of their lives. What's becoming clear is that doing what you want to do only makes sense in relationship with what others want to do. Pursuing authenticity requires discovering what makes you different and unique, but finding that out is always in dialogue with others. Even the solitary artist addresses their work to some imagined future audience, and the hermit is solitary because of the way he feels about social life. But it's also true that our pursuits are motivated by need, and are often only meaningful because they have human significance. What's counted as significant comes from outside the individual, as well as from within. Taylor says that, Independent of my will, there is something noble, courageous, and hence significant in giving shape to my own life. The agent seeking significance in life, trying to define him or herself meaningfully, has to exist in a horizon of important questions. The residents of Inauthenticityville might choose to become lumberjacks not out of duty, not because it's commanded of them, but because there's a social need for it, because the town is shrinking, because it's noble. Society makes requests of individuals. For example, take choosing an instrument to become the best in the world at, Society doesn't demand it or tell you which instrument you'd be best suited at, but it does provide the landscape, the horizon, you pick your pursuits in. There's a context of great guitar players, good or bad teachers, well-made instruments and decent shops, within which you might choose to pursue becoming a unique, great and authentic guitar player. When you join an organisation, there might be several tasks that need completing, 
problems that need addressing or areas where you feel your skills might be of use. A horizon of choice opens between the individual and the community. What's significant is that the space for pursuing authenticity opens up only in this horizon of choices. So it seems that any organisation, community or politics must understand and make clear what its needs are and make appealing offers to attract individuals to try and fulfil them. Authenticity exists in a space between the needs of an individual and the needs of others without forcing individuals to pursue particular courses that they don't really want to. As each individual recognises the right of other individuals to pursue their authentic needs, it should also become naturally apparent to each that authenticity cannot be pursued without certain needs being met. Self-discovery and creation require time, security, basic rights, resources and freedoms. Let's return to whether Inauthenticityville disappears into the sand or the snow once the residents are allowed to leave and pursue their own individual interests. Does the town become abandoned? Nietzsche had a concept he was fond of. Amour fati, love of fate. It meant we should strive to accept, even love, the things that we cannot escape from, good and bad. Similarly, Heidegger had a keen interest in heritage, in shared language, in history and culture. Being authentic doesn't just mean pursuing whatever you want, or that you can be anything you want to be. It involves self-knowledge too, knowing what you can do, what you're best suited for. Some options are blocked from us, no matter how hard we try. We're all thrown into a context. We're fated to have a language, a culture, a place where we're from, genes, a heritage. There's a fundamentally social component to ourselves. Imagine living in a world where you don't understand the language, where the people or culture make no sense, where every single activity is alien to you. It would be impossible. Pursuing your own goals means understanding the world around you so it can be seized upon. An authentic community, politics or organisation must embody this, must be clear about its past, its values, what it's pursuing, what its members are doing. A country must effectively teach its language, its history, its heritage, its knowledge in general. Maybe Inauthenticityville does go into decline. There are no guarantees. But what happens when the town teaches its history to its young people, teaches the history of the lumber industry, opens heritage museums about the importance of providing wood for the country, invests in research in innovation and technology around wood, guarantees there are spaces for art and creativity based on the values that the town's inherited, what I've hoped to show here is that authenticity is a social value as much as an individual one.
If we acknowledge the pursuit of authenticity and creative freedom is a universal need, a universal right even, then this places moral demands on the person and quite specific political demands on the community. The individual must recognise the right of each to pursue their own interests, while the community must be transparent about what its interests, values and heritage are, communicate them effectively and make sure its members are educated, resourced and motivated enough to pursue them freely. And finally, I think if people are to be able to pursue what they choose to, they must have control over what those choices are, participating in and democratically contributing to all of the conversations that affect them. If you enjoyed this video, then make sure you've seen the last one on authenticity, being you, uh, history and philosophy of the concept. I think this one will make much more sense if you have. Uh, next, I'll be looking at Jean-Paul Sartre, um, who is another philosopher of authenticity, but I'll be looking at him more as an introduction. But I've really enjoyed making these two videos and I'm thinking of making more uh, in a similar vein, maybe the history and philosophy of things like kindness uh, or courage or anger. Um, to see what we can learn. If you did enjoy this, if you find it useful and you'd like to join all these wonderful people, then you can support me on Patreon uh, through the link in the description below. If not, just hit like, subscribe, the bell and share, all of which are very much appreciated. See you next time.